how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. The uh, second reading is taken from John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. It was on page 1085. Jesus prays for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is the word of our Lord. prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your prayer for us right now, this morning. We ask that you would open our ears to your word to us, our hearts, to respond to your prayer and to share in it. Amen. So this is the sixth in our series on John 17, our summer school of prayer, thinking about um, Jesus' huge prayer for himself and for his disciples, uh, which he prayed on the night uh, before he died, um, possibly uh, between the upper room and, the, and Gethsemane, the garden, maybe in the, uh, in the temple precincts as they made their way from one to the other. It's a prayer which has shaped the life and the destiny of Jesus' church. Well, we heard at the beginning that Jesus' principal prayer for himself was that his Father's glory would be revealed in him so that he could give glory to his Father. And that prayer challenges us that in our Father's presence, when we come to pray, we would seek first our Father's glory and only after that bring our own needs to him. Then we discovered that he prayed for his disciples, the disciples around him. 
that the Father would firstly keep them faithful to him, secondly would protect them from evil, and thirdly would make them holy, set aside for intimate relationship with Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, ready to continue his work. So we're challenged to pray for each other now, that we would continue safe and faithful and holy. What does he pray for next? Well, I'm very excited because I managed to find this in the St. Jude's archive. And uh, it's, the, it's a letter in the superscription. The address above it is Highgrove House. And it goes like this. Dear Mother, it was good to see you at Windsor last weekend. I must say that you were looking in very good shape. A quick note to mention something that's been on my mind. I was in Portsmouth for a meeting the other day and happened to pass St. Jude's Church. I remember how fond you were of it, and so I stopped by. Now, it seems that the vicar is doing an excellent job. I do commend him to you. If you've got any big positions in mind, I'm sure he would be a fine person to fill it. All my love to Father, Charles. Okay, I didn't find that in the church archives. I completely made it up. But just imagine how you would feel if you had heard that you had been mentioned by the crown prince to the queen in a letter by him to her. That's just what we have here in verse 20. If you've shut your Bibles, perhaps you'd like to open them again at John 17, verse 20. Here we have the Son of the Creator God speaking to his Heavenly Father and praying about us, about you, about me. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Well, it's, uh, it's sad to say hard to say, but the church is always just one generation away from extinction. So unless the current generation passes on to the next generation what they themselves have believed, the message of the first disciples, then the church will die. But by God's grace, that gospel message has never yet failed. People from each new generation have heard it, have received it, have believed on it people like us. So Jesus is praying for us as he prays this prayer and for all those who will believe in him through the gospel message. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And what does he pray for us? He prays for unity, that we would be united, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. This is no formal surface unity, a show of unity to impress the crowds. This is heart and soul unity, like the unity of the Father and the Son. It's the kind of unity where someone is willing to be sent by, to defer to, to sacrifice for another person. It's the kind of unity when one cannot operate on one's own. 
without the other, where each hangs on the words of the other. A total unity of vision, of purpose and strategy, of values and attitudes. May all of them be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. It's like the unity of the Father and the Son, and it also stems from it. Jesus, by his Spirit, has invited us all into that unity. Each one of us live in the unity of Jesus and his Father. All of us live in the unity of the Father and the Son. So we need to live it out together as well. If we're one in faith, then there's no reason for us not also to be one in life and in worship. But agreeing with each other is really hard, isn't it? If we disagree with someone, or we distrust them, or we don't like their behavior, then we do tend to ignore them, don't we? Or alternatively, we get into a fight with them. I don't suppose you'd have to try very hard before you could think of an instance of this in your family, or in your workplace, or in your neighborhood. In fact, it's so hard to live perpetually in unity with other people that we recognize a truly united community, united across all barriers of fear and greed, of race and custom and gender, class and power. Such a true unity of commun community can only come into being through the action of the Creator God. From the very beginning, God, three in one, has lived out this kind of unity in himself. And more than that, amazingly, he has designed and purposed us, humankind, to be drawn into his communion. That was his purpose for us, all of us, each of us, with him. And so Christ prays for it to begin now with us. We also heard a psalm earlier, Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. It's that significant, is unity. And the psalmist gives us some great reasons for unity. Well, firstly, because... Unlike disunity, which quickly becomes destructive and hurtful, unity is really delightful and pleasant. It's great to live amongst people who get along with you, who are your friends. And then, because the anointing of the Lord is on unity, it is a symbol, a sign of the richness of his kingdom. And finally, because God loves to bless unity. And where he sees unity, he pours in his blessing to flow through it out into the world. Well, Jesus adds three more, rather more missionary reasons for unity. And the first is, we see it in this passage, so that the world will know that Jesus is sent by God. It's the, it's the evidence 
of Jesus being sent by his Father into the world. Secondly, this comes from earlier in John, um, Jesus, Jesus says to his disciples, this, this, is, this unity is so that, that the world will know that you are my disciples, that, that you belong to me. And thirdly, we see this in this passage, so that the world will know that God loves his son's disciples, that he is expressing his love for the world through them. Well, certainly we've seen over the last centuries, haven't we, how Christian disunity has been a reason to ignore Christianity. The world dismisses us because we don't show the love that we preach to others. And so we seem to have nothing to offer to the world. How can we preach God's reconciliation with his estranged and sinning children when we can't be reconciled with each other? One of the things I love about the Alpha Course is the way that it's all, it's all founded on this powerful sense of unity together as Christians. This unity underpins it. In the training, um, Alpha leaders are urged not to speak negatively about other Christians and particularly about other Christian leaders. Precisely because such unkindness is a huge turnoff to people who aren't Christians but also because by publicly honouring Christ's servants, or at least not publicly dishonouring them, this creates a channel of God's blessing through us for the course. The Holy Spirit can work through our unity in his blessing. Well, thankfully, the last few decades have seen greater unity between denominations and congregations, which has been both a blessing and also an impetus to mission. For instance, for the last 10 years here, St. Simon's, neighbouring congregation, um, the next door parish, and St. Jude's have been drawing together closer in mission partnership, seeking more effective ways to reach out to South Sea. On the other hand, a generation ago, Anglicans in this city were deeply divided, couldn't possibly have united in mission. But the prayers and hard work amongst others, of my predecessors, Tony Turner and John Byrne, and others like them, have meant that such hostility is long in the past, long gone. So now, this deanery is moving forwards in mission in exciting new ways. This is probably one of the most exciting deaneries I've ever been part of, because we're willing to trust each other, we're willing to share resources, and find common goals to work towards. Evangelical churches support chaplaincy mission. High churches support church planting. Indeed, it was the deanery itself that initiated our new congregation plant at St. Margaret's, and the churches of Eastney and Milton have welcomed it. Mission is happening because churches are united. And here, right here, in St. Jude's congregation, we are so blessed with such a wonderful congregation and leadership, united around a vision of Jesus' love transforming lives from the heart of South Sea. I am so grateful for our unity together. I am so grateful for our PCC's unity, even in divisive decisions.
allowing us to push forwards with our main thing, our mission, our ministry. Only twice in my 10 years as leadership has the PCC been completely split over a decision. And even then, on both occasions, they were still united, each side willing to give up their position in order to bless the ministry and mission of the whole congregation. I've been really proud of them in moments like that, and you should be too. I believe that Jesus was delighted when he saw that sense of unity amongst his leaders, seeing in them an answer to his prayer. May all of them be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Facing difficult decisions isn't easy, but we can still be united even when we don't know the, the right answer. At other times, though, we realize that Jesus' prayer hasn't yet been fulfilled in us, don't we? When we find ourselves quarreling with other Christians. There was a, a man, I gather, who was stranded on a desert island, and um, he was quite a handyman. Um, he'd, uh, you know, he'd listened to, um, uh, to uh, desert island discs, and he remembered to bring his luxury, was a, was a small bow saw, and uh, he'd, he'd cut down lots of trees, and he'd made some amazing buildings for himself. He'd got this whole community of buildings by the end. He, he'd got his home and a whole bunch of other things. When, when he was finally rescued, when the ship came by, and his ship came in, and... Um, and, uh, and uh, the people came on shore in a little rowing boat and rescued him. Just before he left, he was really eager to show them his handiwork before he left it forever. So, so he, he, he showed them his home and all the kind of fittings that he'd made. And, and he showed them his barn where he kind of kept all his, uh, his food. And he showed them his, his storehouse where he kept the pieces of equipment that he'd built. And... Um, uh, made and, and then uh, he showed them, uh, it showed them his, his kind of cool area where he could keep things cool. He actually quite got an ice box because he didn't have any electricity, but he was kind of working on that. And then he showed them two really grand buildings in the middle of his sort of little town. And they said, well, those are amazing. If, if those aren't where you live, well, what are those buildings for? He said, oh, this is my church. This is where I worship God, and this is where I've been praying for the world and, and for rescue all these years. And they said, well, that's amazing, fantastic. And what about this other equally amazing building? This, he said, oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> when we don't like what other people say or do, or, we tend to drive them away, don't we? Or we tend to leave ourselves. Sometimes it's because they've hurt us, Sometimes it's because we don't agree with them on fundamental issues. Sometimes it's because we misunderstand or dislike each other. The thing is, unity can't be forced. It can't be manipulated or, or, or compelled by fear. Nor can it be fudged by brushing difficult issues, differences under the carpet. But it can be encouraged by compassion by sacrifice, by forgiveness, by listening. And of course, unity doesn't just mean 
agreeing over decisions, what to do. In this, in this prayer, Jesus hints at unity being about a wider range of things. Unity being about behavior and about doctrine, how we think of the Father. Being about mission and about worship. We won't be truly united until we're united in all of these areas. Easy, you say. No, of course it isn't. It's very, very hard. But Jesus himself prayed for unity. So it must be possible. In this prayer, Jesus shows us that unity is not founded in ourselves, but in his relationship with his Father and in our relationship with him. And of course, the unity that we have is based on what Jesus has already done for us, for each of us, undeserved by any one of us. We are already united by what Jesus has sacrificed for us. We are united in him, and we have to learn to live out that unity in him. And of course, it was us he prayed for. So we have to be the answer to his prayer. If we hear Christians saying or doing unacceptable things, if we read of denominations denouncing or even fighting each other, of church leaders saying outrageous things in public, our own church leaders making decisions that we fundamentally disagree with. I want to encourage you to do three things out of this prayer. The first is not to criticize. Remember that these other people are servants of Jesus, not of you. They're not your servants, they're his. And he died for them. So please don't rubbish what Jesus counted as the very highest treasure. Secondly, be a peacemaker. Peace doesn't come by ignoring issues, by brushing them under the carpet, but by dealing with them openly together before God. So sometimes that is really hard to do, to get divisive issues out on the table in order to explore them with God together. We can get caught in the crossfire by those who are disagreeing. But what did Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And thirdly, pray. Add your prayers to those of Jesus. As you discover your unity in Jesus with the Father, Pray that others, too, would be drawn into that same unity. This can be our prayer, too. May all of them, Father, be one. Just as you are in me, and I am in you. We know that unity is one of our primary callings as Christians. And in a divided world, there is no excuse for not working and praying for it.
be encouraged. We do so along with Jesus, who is praying for us. Shall we pray now? Heavenly Father, we're going to be praying some more in a little while about uh, your people across the world. But here and now, we want to lift before you your whole worldwide, worldwide church, your church in this community, and us here this morning. May we be one as you and the Father are one. May we pray for each other and for your wider Christian family. May they too be one, even as we are one in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you hold us in your prayer.